without further ado, let's knock this one out of the ballpark. All right. Hello, Omniverse. I am Joe Bear. I'm Zach. And I'm Diego. And this is Behind the Beard. Or lack thereof. Welcome to this week's episode where we will delve deep into topics that inspire and motivate us to be better versions of ourselves. Our goal is to provide you with thought-provoking conversations that spark ideas, inspire change, and help you on your journey towards personal and professional growth. Today, we're continuing our conversation uh, on the topic of presentation, and today is all about leading a presentation itself. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, leading a meeting can be a daunting task. From preparing your material to engaging your audience, there's a lot to consider when it comes to making a great impression and achieving your goals. Well, first, you know, this week, as you may or may not know, I'm nearing a PTO, OOO, vacation week, however you want to phrase it. So I have a topic that is coming to mind because I'm living it now. The pre-work to a vacation time off versus the post-work to a vacation time off out of office, whatever you want to phrase it as. What's what's worse for you all? Maybe not the worst. It's not the right uh-huh. way, but what do you think is more of? Like, what do you, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out my phrasing. You can tell my brain's already gone to the vacation land, yeah. so already <laughs> oh 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 um all right i think leaving is the most stressful part i don't know if that's worse or better but it's definitely the most stressful part because you're thinking about all the things that you need to leave done ready uh covered for or whatever and then you're just like stressing out like to me like before going on vacation it's always the last couple of days i'm full stress levels to the max uh, and then coming back, it's maybe easier because most of the times all the things you were panicking about got figured out some way or did not happen at all. So uh, there's always something that maybe didn't work out or something that you need to pick up and, and like catch up with a conversation or something like that. But it's usually not as bad as you think when you're about to leave. I think we all have a hint of perfectionism in us and we don't want to leave a burden on somebody else right we want it to be perfect we want there but we know in business that's never going to be the case there's always going to be this something that pops up that needs to be addressed worked through challenge met and succeeded from so i think we put an undue amount of stress on ourselves leading up to that pre-vacation right i've said it before You work two times as hard to go away for a week and two times as hard to come back, but it's 100% worth it. That one week away or two weeks, whatever the case is, it gives you a chance to, you know, really inspire your creativity, your thought process and go there. It's really needed to disconnect. So whether worse or better before or after, they're both needed so that way you can cut the electrical cord, so to speak, from Teams, Outlook, Skype, Zoom, whatever it is, and just really decompress it all uh, to to come back in to to fight another day, so to speak. Uh, But if I was, you know, put my feet on the fire as far as which one is worse, I think I'm with both of you. It's that leading up to it all, I think I work more hours in that one week leading up to PTO than I do coming back where it's like, okay, well, I'm so, I'm burying my email box. I'm, I'm burying IMs and everyone's understanding of it. We've all been there before. Um, yeah, I'd say the leading up to it is more stressful because not only that, 
not only is it work, but you're trying to plan your entire vacation as well. Like you, you get your ideas, but then there's all the personal stuff that happens and you got to adjust in, to those challenges. So it's almost double effort, double work uh, in order to, to cut loose and relax. Packing, 100%. making sure everything is booked, uh, getting cars or hotels or whatever you're getting. What time do I need to be by the airport? Yeah, in on all of that on top of whatever is going on at work. And we talked yeah. about airport oh, etiquette, but have we talked about packing etiquette uh, and what we do and planning? Maybe etiquette's not the right word there, but uh, did we talk about this? Where how far in advance do you pack for a trip? Within 24 hours. Within 24 hours. All right. So either the night, depending on when, t what time I'm leaving, because I'm not a morning person by any means, any standard. So it either will be the night of, or if I'm not leaving till maybe mid more mid afternoon, which is very rare. But if that's the case, then I would same day final final wow packing. But yeah, normally the night before. I'm usually doing laundry to the point that Diego and you are making. I'm usually doing laundry and I'll be somebody's staying at my house because I have animals, so I'm getting the house tidied up. I'm doing laundry, getting all those things in play. So then I have all those outfits, clothes, socks that I need um, for the the trip so i come back to a empty hamper to then just fill it back up i can see on your face how more things are being added to your <laughs> mental checklist <laughs> and can hear it on your voice uh but no relax come on you're about to go off uh on, on my case i the last two times that i have traveled one was for month and a half and the other one was for two weeks so completely different scenarios uh, also in one i was taking my bike with me uh, so packing like it, it was like a lot more it needed a lot more planning and a lot more kind of effort right because it was month and a half uh, enough clothes for all that time also taking the things i was going to use for for riding the bike and then packing the bike the bike i did pack it in the morning before we left um because that was like kind of like the one that stressed me the most so i procrastinated it to till the very end and then on the other trip on the two-week trip i did pack 24 hours before it and just like yeah how about you joe yeah it just depends on the nature of the travel i do a lot of it you know for volleyball uh, for my daughter so that one it's like as i'm going i'm packing it i i would say but then there's some times where if i get it done ahead of time we've got a three-day tournament heading forward you know i've got enough clothes thankfully uh that i can pack it all away and then not have to worry about it um you know it's always a mix of okay when do i have time uh more so than pre-planning it it's like yeah, it's gonna get done but just when do i have time to do it i don't really stress it it's just it happens every time I will get to the airport on time. <laughs> I will make my flight. I will get on the road on time. I, it always works out uh, some way or another. Yeah, and then just adding the element of if you have children, so I have a seven year old, so then it's packing for them, making sure that they're everything's in line there. They have medicines, they're there. And I always have and I'm sure most people do. But the second you leave your driveway, there's that feeling of, I forgot something. <laughs> Every time. You don't know what it is, but there's like a gut feeling. And then you get to the destination, you're unpacking or you're going through something and you're like, it was that. Yeah. I, was gonna say, I, did, I, I did fly with my dog on that last and the two week trip. Um, and it was her first time traveling 
uh, flying. So yeah, that was, and it was also international because I live in Guatemala, so there's no point in flying like in the country. <laughs> so yeah, I was to Peru uh, and it was her first time doing it. And she is almost 11 years old. So that was also kind of like a, an added challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, I've never done that. So that would be a whole another ball game, but I guess kind pretty similar to it. I mean, there's still the same necessities, but just have to find a place for them to go to the bathroom. I guess the same way with a kid. <laughs> I, I like how it is, it used to stress me out. It really did. Um, when I would, ah, oh, got to put my checklist together. We talked about that and I had this, 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 and I have this amount of, the Boy Scout in me came out and uh, said, okay, I need to prepare. Here's a month long one. I need to have these clothes, this going, you know, I need to prepare for it all. But now it's like, you know, not to brag, but I'm okay. And I could go run to the store and buy what I need. Unless it's something that's irreplaceable, you know, like a volleyball jersey, you can't just go buy at Walgreens, CVS, corner grocery store, but a knee pad, I can probably find something. Shoes we can find somewhere. They're not going to be what we want. But, you know, like all of that good stuff can be replaced. And I'll tell you, in my younger days, the toiletry bag really stressed me out. But I'm like, hey, I could just buy it wherever I go. Um, so I don't stress that so much anymore. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of travel, I'm having an itch to travel whenever pollen season comes out here in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> it's starting to get warmer. It's starting to get nicer. I have to mow this weekend already. Uh, it, it's a correction. It's, it, if we're in fake spring in North Carolina. It's like our third spring. It, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Because um, it's like 30 degrees by like next week or something, right? It's just, but yes, everything is green right now and not in like the luscious forest green. No, your car is a nasty green. It is, and the, my car is completely, I wash it, I, I do wash it frequently because pollen just disgusts me, and um, you know, growing up in Colorado, we didn't have to deal with pollen, you know, but that's definitely a southern thing, and we're dealing with that now. It's, you know, my car turns yellow. I don't know about yours, Zach, but mine turns yellow overnight, and it's just gross. And the crazy part about it, which I, I get it, there's how pollen <laughs> happens, but for my, my location, I don't have a ton of trees right around my house, but somehow, some way, and even in the commute that I basically do to the gym and back, covered. And then I made the mistake of going, or I don't want to say mistake, went for a run yesterday, and like this morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, yeah, feel that in my ears from yesterday. So it is the, it's the time. I'm, I'm glad to be going to the beach where I, I don't feel it's as prevalent as where I am now. <laughs> Avoid it for a week. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. That's why I'm sounding like there. Diego, do you guys get that down there where it's like pollen season? and? Yeah, pollen season. Uh, yeah, spring kind of it's the same, I think, everywhere in the northern hemisphere. Uh, but I don't notice it as much here as when I just live in a beach town. Uh, and I was going to actually go the opposite way of what Zach said. I, I, I just noticed oh, a lot more there. No, I was just, I'm just opposite of what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, nah, he I'm was like, hey, I get away from the pollen and the bee too. Yeah. yeah. But, nah, you, I, think, I think it was, I think the one that, that, that I lived in was a lot more like kind of rural or countryside kind of thing. So 
yeah, I, I actually started noticing it more, got tested, and it uh, the results I got is um, 3,000% times more sensitive to pollen than the average person. So mm. I do get like annihilated, and I'm never visiting in either of you uh, in spring. <laughs> yeah, I was as you said, that uh, the, don't ever come to like the southeast region, especially where we are. You, you right now, you would probably just be like a walking, like just swollen, yeah. sneezing <laughs> mess, a walking, swollen nose. <laughs> yes. It's brutal. Uh, as I was on a walk yesterday, last night, even uh, my phone was getting covered in pollen. My sunglasses had a nice film of pollen. It's just not fun. You, oh you gotta get used to it, but it's terrible. Have you ever been on a run and sweating profusely, and you like wipe and look in the like your mirror or the car at the end, and you you literally yes. have pollen on the edges of your face? Yes, <laughs> it's like. This is disgusting, but yeah, that's... start to get yellow and the sweat spots, and you're just like, I'm okay. Yeah, pollen is not fun uh, whatsoever, and it drives me to rage. Uh, it, to be real clear, um, and speaking of rage, uh, there is a national customer rage survey. Did you guys know this? I didn't. And what are we raging I, about? More of a sign of the time. Everything. We're raging against the machine. But um, really what it comes down to is as the economy is going through it all, consumers are more raging at products and companies as they feel that quality is coming down and service is going down as well. Uh, so there's just a decline in overall quality across the economy, right? We're all trying to make scales and profits. And you feel that from these companies, the what shrinkflation. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that. You buy the same stuff, same cost, but it's smaller, right? Um, you know, that enrages me. But um, overall, uh, the National Customer Rage Survey is indicating that 74% of consumers have had a problem with a company's product or service in the past year. And that's up from 66% in 2020. And let's just take it all the way back. Only 32% in 1976. So it was the first similar survey was released there. Um, you know, that that's where we're feeling it on the customer experience side and what we've done a lot of great work to overcome some of that feeling, you know, through the gig experience from our contractors here at Omni. And we're empowering all of our GBAs to really help out that brand and that experience for the consumers that are not happy. I mean, they're feeling this overall macro rage. And sometimes it can be taken out on a simple problem, but as long as we are solving that consumer experience problem, it seems to go away pretty quickly. We've uh, got some great tools that help us out there. What do you guys feel about, you know, the revenge or rage survey that's uh, out there right now? I would say it's based off of exposure, right? You talked about changes in economy, changes in product, whether it's shrink of actual product or, or anything or inflation any of those parameters, people are noticing things more. You get a product, you observe it, I think a little bit more. You spend money, you're noticing what you're spending on it for. There's just an awareness that I see happening more and more as we go through, you know, I would say each year, maybe each quarter, where if I'm spending my money, I want what I want and I want what I ordered or I want what I expected. And if there's not there, then I'm going to rage <laughs> so i would i would, that would be my insight and 
would be aligned to it, right? I think it's what everybody's experiencing. What would be your biggest beef, Diego, if you're calling about a product that's not working or up to your expectations? Like when you're going through that call center experience where you're calling in, what, what's your biggest beef? Like what causes you rage? So I've talked about it before, right? Uh, if we're calling in, it's because nothing else worked. Uh, so the moment you're calling in, it's probably the moment you're very frustrated. I guess my what will frustrate me even more will be that the person I'm talking to is either not paying attention uh, and just I'm reading sorry, a script to me. <laughs> just, just reading a both of them. <laughs> <laughs> just reading some sort of script back to me and I'm like, and, and asking me questions that I've already answered with whatever I've said before. Or um, if they clearly don't know how to fix it or who to go to to fix it. Because sometimes like it's okay if you don't know how to fix something, but maybe there's someone else uh, or some other department you can transfer me to or whatever else you can do to help me figure this out, right? I'm, usually even if I'm super frustrated, I'm not calling uh, just to rage at people, but just because I want things to be figured out, right? So I'm willing to wait to, I don't know, to hold, uh, like I, I told you last week, right? As in a hold for like 20 minutes or something, uh, <laughs> ruining someone's HT. Uh, and, <laughs> but if that's what it took to get it fixed or whatever that, like I'm willing to do that. It's just if they don't, if they keep telling me like that, no, I don't know how to fix this, or there's no way you can get this solved. That's that's what really gets me. What I find funny, uh, you know, on that is, you know, not being able to solve it is one thing, but to even get to that point of speaking to somebody, I think the the as I'm reading through here, the survey, the rage survey respondents described as being forced to listen to long messages. Q cut me off before speaking to a human is one of their biggest beefs, and the the fun fact that I see about this one and is that bad customer service could cost corporations $494 billion a year. You know, we've seen it at Omnium. We work at, with all of our clients and we've reduced that customer effort, uh, improved that experience to, to turn that around there, to, to continue improving that experience for the consumers and cut that cost down, right? You know, that, that's, that's a lot of it out there. We've talked about some of the great things that Omni has been doing uh, and, you know, great tactics uh, for all of our GBAs to go after to help improve those scores. And that's what all these conversations are for, is to help us be better. And whether it's handling a call, handling a meeting, uh, it doesn't really matter. They're all very intertwined, as we talked about before. Uh, and let's cut our teeth on some leading a presentation, which is the same thing as leading a call. You have to be prepared. Uh, I think that's probably the number one item here that as we go through to leading a presentation is being prepared. Once you're prepared for the, that call itself, for the meeting, you have the objectives, um, the purpose, what are you trying to achieve? It makes everything else fall into play. Uh, how do you guys uh, set yourselves up for success to running in an effective meeting? knowing what the point of the meeting is and what I want it to end at. That's my parameter, right? If I am setting, I'm prefacing this that I'm setting up the meeting as I'm leading it, right? So I own it. So I've set clear expectations for who's there. There's some type of agenda involved. I know we've talked about that before on your meeting invites. So everybody's clear on what to expect. And then when I start the meeting, making sure that I'm clear that 
this is what we're set to accomplish today. This is why we're meeting. And by the end of this call, we are going to have XXX solved or a plan or whatever the intent is. That's my focus. And so that way everybody can be engaged and understand what to expect. And setting that expectation is is key for me. I like what you yeah. uh, said there. And as I was reading through an article uh, on this, uh, trying to enrich myself and learn a little bit more of how to run a, a better, more effective meeting, the acronym WWDWBW came up. <laughs> like, what, what, what does that even mean? Who will do what by when? I think you put it right there uh, as you were saying, how do you close out a meeting effectively? You set the parameters of who's going to be responsible for what and what the expected return date is. And so that way we can avoid a follow-up meeting of why XYZ or didn't happen. Uh, very good point, uh, Zach, as far as closing it out. Sorry to jump in there, Diego. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think having the structure of what messages need to be transmitted um, and who is going to take care of what after after the meeting takes place, I think those are the key things. Yeah, I like that. In, do you guys put a lot of thought into the different format styles of a meeting? Um, I know we talked about that before, but you know, how much effort do you put into formatting the meeting to get those right plans and objectives and closures out there? Or is this a fun video presentation and then follow up actions more of a lecture type scenario? or this is brainstorming and now we need to go through there. I mean, how much time and energy do you spend on your calendar to work on your calendar meetings? Uh, don't think I spend much time like figuring that out. It's more like in the process, it will come together as with what type of meeting it is going to be and kind of can prepare for that. But it's not like in my experience, the more you plan how you want the meeting to go like every minute every second of it the less it is going to work that way so i think it's to be but then yeah but then just go with the flow i would echo i don't put too much focus i'll put an agenda if i'm setting up something but it likely is just bullet points and pretty broad just so we could have a, a focus over that I found if I get too specific or put too many details or have a huge agenda, it never goes to that plan, right? Either there's a misalignment between the audience that I'm bringing in and myself, and what I thought would be heavily covered is brushed over, or uh, there's just, we un, as we probably have all encountered, you unravel something in the meeting that was much larger than you anticipated it to be, right? So I don't put too much effort. I mean, probably a big surprise for everybody that Zach doesn't put too much effort into um, <laughs> preparing for a meeting. But um, I, I have my, as I've always, I say a lot in this, as our podcast, I have my, my bones approach. Um, but what about you, Joe? <clears throat> yeah, that, that's, uh, both of you have great points there as far as your approach to comes to fruition. One, my agenda may not be your agenda. So if mine is too strict and it's not open for any variation to it then we're just railroaded and we're off track immediately so I, I like that i do like having you know the the broad strokes here's what we need to be prepared for if i see a meeting with no agenda i definitely say what should i be prepared for uh because i don't like walking in and just can i wing it yes 
very good at doing that, but I prefer not to. And so I just want to make sure that if I'm leading the meeting or the presentation, I want a overall agenda to be there and understanding what needs to be brought to the table for what we're trying to get through there. I, I think a, a struggle, if I look back into my earlier days of leading a, a presentation, uh, surprisingly, uh, is confidence. How did you both overcome lack of confidence the first time you walked into a room and all of the executive leaders are there with their eyes and ears trained on you? What a nerve wracking experience. What do you guys do to overcome that? And what recommendations do you have for exuding confidence within a, a meeting and a presentation? I don't think I ever did this on my first time, but uh, think about that. If you're being called to present something to an executive board or to whatever, uh, you're probably the person who knows the most about the thing that you're going to talk about, right? Um, you know the details or like, do you, do you have like, there's a reason why you're presenting this topic to this audience. So maybe that's something that can help you boost that confidence, knowing that if you're there, it's probably something that you know you know a lot about. Fair. <laughs> Joe witnessed my first experience with this years and years ago. It's, gosh, past life at this point. But it, and just as a full transparency moment, I barely talked, right? It was a full deer in the headlights, a multiple day client meeting with high executives, right? Um, and it was just deer in headlights the entire time. I probably said a few words and maybe they were, hi, hello, good morning, bye. But uh, just a shell shock. After that, I've learned a lot of times you have a seat at the table and it's a chance to prove your worth, uh, your knowledge to your point, Diego, and why you deserve to be at that table or in, in you know, those terms. So that's where I focus now. <clears throat> I know that I'm not going to always articulate my message perfectly. I probably will have moments where I end a call and then say, wow, I maybe didn't lead that as much as I intended to, or, you know, totally got off topic or anything like that. But I learned from those experiences and let them happen. It's nothing that, unless you're going very unprofessional in a setting, there's really nothing you can't recover from, right? I believe everybody has a human nature side of them that you're going to stumble. You're going to use a lot of filler words. You probably will say like 17 million times as you first start presenting or us or, you know, you know, <laughs> you knows or I think or anything along those lines. But don't beat yourself up and just know that if you speak confidently, you might even say to yourself at the end, wow, I did not have a clue what I was saying. But then you may get a message from somebody on your team or a counterpart or, or, or something like that where they say, no, you really did well. Like what your position really came over and you're thinking to yourself, wow. So just in the back of your mind, you're your worst critic uh, through all of it because you're going to like pick yourself apart more than anybody else because that's what we do. It's not healthy, but it's what the human nature is with yourself is you pause too many times. You said like too many times. You, you Somebody answered a question and now you're laying in bed because you just realized you did not answer it correctly. Stop. But then another meeting will happen. You still survive. You can prove yourself. But just be confident. You've got to build confidence by doing it more. And having that happen to you, it's actually good because it means that you're noticing the areas which you can improve. Agreed. That's a, that's a huge point. And 
you, you don't get better by being perfect. We've talked about that before. You've got to make mistakes. You've got to review it. Uh, you know, even paid professional athletes watch their video to say, how could I do this better? Right. That's where that reflection time comes in. We've talked about that technique before. Really try to focus in of, oh, wow, I did say, you know, 17,000 times. That, that's my filler word. I replaced um with, you know, and I'm working on that one. Thanks to, you know, a tool within Teams, you know, it's speaker coach. It's analyzing what I am saying to help me be a better speaker. But the confidence comes from you have to have that moment like Zach had. I had it too. I walked in there and I said, wow, I've never done anything before this. Have I given a presentation in front of my classmates before or, you know, in high school, college? Yes, but there's nothing like the intimidation factor or some of that controls your professional career fate in their hands and talking to them in a presentation but at the same time, they've been there. I've been there. I, I watched you, Zach, and I said, nope, he's just got to have his deer in the headlight looks. You prepared everything. You were ready to go. We had pre-meetings. We worked through it. But nothing replaces that experience of just getting in there, being a deer in the headlight, and seeing it done through somebody else's eyes, hearing me you know, pull it out of I wasn't prepared and winging it. And you're like, oh, that's as easy as it was. Here's how we can do it, it right? Yeah, it, it, it's super easy. You're going to make mistakes. Some meetings are going to be led and presentations are going to be led flawlessly. You're champion this. I got this through there. Some it seems dry and drab and uh, your audience was not engaged. So I got to figure out how do I change it around and use techniques of maybe I need to add humor or less humor or ask more questions or provide more opportunities for discussion or there there's so many resources out there uh, that could help you with this uh, you know lucidmeetings.com has got one how to lead a meeting tips and best practices uh, harvard business review seven tips for leading a successful meeting uh, right you google it you find it there's all these great items in learning pathways to leading a better meeting but nothing replicates the experience. just getting in there and doing it. You brought up a when you were speaking about, yes, we've had experience within a classroom in high school, college, whatever it is. I talked about it last week. I'm confident in my public speaking abilities, right? I don't relate those to meetings, right? I can speak well if I think nobody's going to interject, nobody's going to question, nobody's going to have their own comments. That's a different giving a speech and just being on a platform and saying rah 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 make a video but when you set into a meeting or you take a call or anything along that nature that's where those nerves come in because you don't know what to expect from the from other people you can't that's a variable you cannot control on what somebody's going to ask what somebody's going to say did you prepare correctly for this do you have the data points to back this up and that's where the mind goes and spins and spins and spins just back to their point of preparing for a vacation as my mind spins i'm going through and saying did i get this report done is somebody going to look at this next week and say why didn't zach do that now i'm doing it so if that is that human approach and i keep saying human a lot during this session but i feel like it is a lot of this is just own mental psych is you're looking into this so much and then that the other side of it is to my joe's point over preparedness that i felt i was maybe in that first piece and then 
I, I don't, they asked a question that wasn't in my notes. That wasn't in my book. I don't, I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? And I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, 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 so yeah, I, there's the other side of the fence of trying to prepare too much based off of what you don't know. And then that just becoming a vicious cycle internally. Adapting to unexpected situations. No one teaches that no matter what college course you take, LinkedIn learning, there's always going to be an oddball question scenario that's thrown out there. Just being able to adapt and handle those situations with grace, with confidence, is the key to not feeling like a beginner, like we've all felt and sometimes feel even as a seasoned presentation leader. But just stay calm, cool, collected, and just know I can always get back to you with an answer. Or put it in the parking lot. Put it in the parking lot, circle back, whatever key jargon we want to use today. But that's the, the greatest part of it all. Wow, this is a great conversation as far as leading a presentation itself. Uh, there are times when a costume is definitely needed if you are hosting a great public event where it's all about fun. Uh, or there's times when a suit and tie are definitely needed still in today's uh, remote working world. Uh, but in, anywhere in between, it's just being ready, ready to adapt. Uh, I appreciate both of you. Any, any last remarks? If you don't have a suit and tie, you can wear a black t-shirt and just put a blazer on top of it. And it most likely will work. You're always looking classy. You just throw on a hoodie and say, this is what you're getting. And, and I'm somewhat in between. Right. I got a t-shirt and kind of a nice lightweight jacket going on. All right. Uh, <laughs> so for our quote of the day, uh, here, here's this uh, Reddit shower thought that I thought really is a good indicator of a great presentation. I don't know. I'm stringing it together here. The second person in a conga line is always the person who starts it. As nice always... Shot. Hashtag keep learning and let us know what you're learning about too. Uh, please like, subscribe uh, for more great content. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd welcome you to email us at btboiteam.com and specifically let us know how your March challenge is coming along. Join us next week when we discuss our next part of our presentation series, which is presenting to peers. With that, I am Joe Bear, and for my co-host, Zach and Diego, this is Behind the Beard. Omniverse to the moon. Unique New York. Unique New York. How now, brown cow?